Okay, so <clears throat> I'm getting over um, the grief of waking up to snow. Uh, this happens every year, the first snow. I have this moment where something inside me dies and uh, I'll be fine tomorrow. It just takes me a day to come to terms with what's happening. Uh, I didn't grow up this way, guys. Uh, not everybody does. The fact that we choose to live here uh, says a lot about our character, okay? Um, we, we are an entitled people sometimes. And that, that's, that's kind of what that is for me, is like, I shouldn't have to deal with cold weather, right? Well, why not, you know? It's, it's part of the way, I actually like the seasons. I like having seasons and I think it's a good thing. So, um, but we've been talking about entitlement and that's just one of the ways that I am entitled sometimes when it comes to weather. We, we, we get really disappointed and frustrated when the weather doesn't work out like we think it should or like we want it to. That's just a form of entitlement. And entitlement is, uh, as we've talked about the last few weeks, it's, it's unrealistic expectations about what should come to me in life like assuming or thinking that life should always bring me good things, that people should always treat me with respect and kindness and appreciate, you know, all of my good qualities and ignore my bad ones. Like that's, that's a form of entitlement. And we've been pushing back against that because we recognize that uh, the, the right way to see what should come to us in life is to trust that God will provide what we need, right? God will provide what we need. So we've been talking about abundance versus scarcity, that God is a God of abundance. We see it in creation. He, he created so much more than was needed uh, and blessed human beings with, with far more than we could ever even use. He's a God of abundance. But uh, the worldly mentality, when, when, when we're not living with, with God at the center and on the throne of our hearts, there's a scarcity mindset that says, I, I don't think there's enough. I don't think there's enough for me. Uh, and, and so I, I'm gonna have to work hard. I'm gonna have to get what I need by, often by taking from others. And we take uh, not just material things, but we, t- we take value. We take recognition. We take appreciation uh, from other people so that, so that we can have what we think we need. And when we do that, it... it distorts and destroys relationships. Uh, it disrupts community. And as a church, for us to do that as a church, uh, it really derails us from the mission that Jesus has set out for us. We're not able to really be salt and light um, in a world that desperately needs the hope of Jesus. If we can't uh, be grateful and, and receive and see him as a God of abundance, instead we're always reaching for more. So the question has been, how much, how much is enough? How much is enough? In, in America, how, how much is enough for, for you, for, for the average American, would you say? Um, we're gonna talk just for a minute about consumerism. You guys familiar with the concept of consumerism? Uh, so let's, let's go with a quick definition because you can, you can define this differently. This is what we're gonna work with today. Consu- a consumer is defined as someone who is able to buy goods and services beyond the satisfaction of basic needs, right? Beyond the satisfaction of basic needs. This you know, plus America equals Amazon Prime. That's, that's kind of how we, we got to where we are, right? <clears throat> so uh, if, if you are able to buy more than you need, you are a consumer. Consumerism is sort of taking this to the level of saying like, not, not only am I able to, but I, it is good and right that I do so. It is, it is good and right that I buy more, more than I need. And what consumerism uh, tells us is uh, that happiness is having more. Happiness is, is just having a little more. That's, that's what the consumer mindset says. If I just had a little more. So if somebody asked you, are you happy with your job? You might say, well, I would be happy with more pay. I, I would be happy with more vacation. I would be happy with more recognition. 
If somebody asked you, are, are you happy with your, your retirement savings, your portfolio? He said, well, uh, I'd be happy with more. I, I'd be happier if there was a little more. Are, are you happy with your, with your home, the, the place where you live? Well, I'd be happier if it was a little bigger, if we had you know, a nicer kitchen, or if we, had, you know, if we could upgrade the bathroom, or if it was just in a different location. I love the house, if I could put it somewhere else where it doesn't snow, I'd be happier. Are you happy with your schedule? Are you happy with the way you spend your time? Well, well, of course I'd be happier with more time. If I had more time to myself, I'd be happier with that. And so that's a consumer mindset. Happiness is, is more, is having more. So what's wrong, what's wrong with this? Is, is there a problem with, with consumerism as a mindset? Well, I'm gonna go back to Walter Brueggemann. I quoted him a couple times last week. He wrote a great article on abundance versus scarcity. Again, uh, if you want, uh, I had so many people ask me for that article last week. Actually, none of you did. If you're, if you're interested, uh, this is from Brueggemann again. Consumerism is not simply a marketing strategy. It has become a demonic spiritual force among us. And the theological question facing us is whether the gospel has the power to help us withstand it. Okay, so Walter Brueggemann wouldn't just say like, consumerism is like, not, it's not the greatest. He would say it is a demonic spiritual force. Now you can, you can decide in your mind if you agree with him or not. I'm, not. I'm not throwing that out as an absolute truth, but I'm saying it's gotta make us think. Why would he say that about consumerism? What, what is the destructive nature of thinking that more is better? And, and some of us, most of us wouldn't consider ourselves consumerists, like we're, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not into consumerism, but I think many of us uh, like the idea of being what we would call a noble shopper. Like I, I, I approach consumerism in a, in a way that's noble, which, which means we really like to tell people what a great deal we got, right? Like, guys, yes, I did get this thing that I really don't need, but let me tell you what a great deal I got. It was on sale. Like, I, I actually negotiated. I got a great price. Like, this is, you know, you need to understand, like, I, I didn't overspend. Like, this is how we justify our consumerism is we tell people, like, it, I don't, why is it so important that everybody needs to know what a great deal we got? Because we're trying to justify buying something that we, we probably didn't need. You know, I shopped around. And for years, I've done this uh, with my shoes. Guys, I like shoes. This is news to many of you. And so uh, these are my shoes. Uh, and what I like to tell people is I don't pay more than $40 for a pair of shoes. I shop around. I, I buy the same brand because I know that that, uh, I know what size will fit me in that brand. So I don't have to go anywhere and try them on. I can buy them online. And uh, these are, uh, honestly, this is, so this is 13 pair. There's a couple pair that didn't make it into the photo. I'm, I'm sad to tell you, right? Um, so uh, this, is, this is consumer. This is way more than I need. Who needs this many pair of tennis shoes? No, no one does need this. It's, it's way, thank you, Chad, for agreeing with that. It's way too much. It's beyond. It's consumerism. Uh, so what is, what is demo, what's the demonic spiritual force behind that? Well, I think if, if, we, if we put this back in context of the conversation about the abundance of God and his provision, we can take that slide off the screen anytime. <laughs> uh, it's just embarrassing. Uh, so if we put this back in context of the abundance of God and a realistic expectation about what should come to me in life is that God will provide for my needs, then um, why do I feel the need to have more than I already have? So we could talk about a lot of 
more secular dangers of consumerism, okay? Consumerism, uh, for a lot of economists will tell you consumerism is good for the economy, right? It, it drives uh, production and it creates jobs, but it also uh, drives overspending, it drives debt, which uh, both increase depression and anxiety in a culture. Uh, it's, we know it's not good for the environment. We know it puts a strain on natural resources. Uh, we know it's not good because when you, when you buy more than you need, what you end up with is a lot of waste. And what happens to the waste? And where does that go? And how does that impact the environment? And it raises a lot of questions uh, about things like that. So, but just, so just from a secular point of view, consumerism is not, not good. It's not a positive, it's not a net gain for humanity. But on a spiritual level, consumerism is about wanting more and it, it goes directly counter to the message of the kingdom of God, which is there's something better than having more. There's something better than having more. And this is, this is the way that Jesus teaches. So we're gonna dive into the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters uh, five, uh, six, and seven is what we call the Sermon on the Mount. We're gonna be in five and six uh, today. So uh, this is a sermon that's sort of uh, kind of a characterization of what Jesus taught a lot of times. I don't think Jesus only taught this message one time. I think Jesus taught these things all the time, all over the place. Uh, and, and they're just kind of put together in this, in this one passage. So uh, towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount, we find uh, this verse that many of you have heard and, and maybe memorized. Matthew 6, says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. You guys heard that? Memorize that? Anybody have that, you know, stenciled on a plaque somewhere in your home maybe? It's great because this is sort of at the heart of the Sermon on the Mount and everything that Jesus says sort of revolves around this statement. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So the concept of seeking is that you're pursuing something. You're going to pursue something with your life. That's how God created us. Our hearts are made to go after something. And maybe, maybe it's going after relationships. Maybe it's going after recognition. Maybe it's going after productivity. Maybe it's going after bringing good into the world. We can pursue a lot of good things. And Jesus says, here's, here's what I want you to do with that God-given desire to pursue something. I want you to apply it directly toward his kingdom and his righteousness. And if you do that first, all these things will be given to you as well. There's something better than having more. And, and that is about reframing what it is that you want most. What is it that you want most? If what you want most is the thing that God wants most for you, you're in alignment with God about what you want most. You're gonna find peace and joy and you're gonna be in a relationship with God that is the participation in the kingdom of God where, where we're, we're inviting people, where we're salt and light, we're inviting people into life with Jesus and we're moving people towards the new creation. That sounds like a blessed way to live, doesn't it? Fortunately, uh, blessing is a part of this sermon. So if you back up to the beginning, uh, Matthew chapter five, this is how Jesus starts the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You guys are familiar with the Beatitudes, the blessed are? Uh, that's, that's how he starts, and there's eight of these, you know, blessed are. And what Jesus is pointing to here, we kind of take this word blessed, and we, we feel like sometimes it's... Uh, Sometimes it's just sort of a bible word and sometimes it's a word you put on your license plate and to let people know that you're content or happy. But what Jesus is driving at is, is, this, is this is how we understand what good things come to us in life, right? What good things come to us in life and why? Why? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What do the poor in spirit do to earn the kingdom of heaven? Nothing. They're just poor in spirit and God just gives it to them as a gift. That's, that's blessed. That's what Jesus means by Blessed. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And God brings good things into the lives of these people. They're not, they're not doing these things to earn God's blessing. This is just who they are because they are seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. 
And because of that, they will be blessed. They will be happy in the sense that good things, good, meaningful things are coming into their, into their lives. So that's how um, the Sermon on the Mount kicks off. And, and, and basically the way I would summarize the Beatitudes is, is kind of, uh, think, think about it this way. It's being poor in the kingdom of God is better than being rich outside of it. That's a, that's a tough statement to really swallow because most of us are not poor <laughs> and, and we've worked really hard to not be poor. In fact, a lot of what you've done in your life has been in the, an effort to not be poor and to make sure that your kids are not poor. But maybe what Jesus is pointing to is, is to kind of entertain this notion that being poor in the kingdom of God is better than being rich outside of it. Here's what he says in, in chapter six. So uh, let's, let's read through this together. Um, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, I highlighted a couple words. We're going to go back to those later. But here's, here's what I want. You guys are familiar with this. Do not store up treasures in heaven. This is Jesus again talking about this desire to pursue, this desire to seek. Remember Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom. You're going to pursue something. You're going to go after something. What is it that you want most? And Jesus says, don't, don't want most treasures on earth. Don't store up. Don't go after that. Uh, instead, store up treasures in heaven. Want most the things that are going to last forever, right? That's what he's pointing us to. And then he goes into this uh, kind of, it, it, it seems almost like he's taking a left turn here when he talks about the eye as the lamp of the body. And if, if, your, if your eye is good, then your body will be full of light. If your eye is bad, your body will be full of darkness. How, what does that have to do with storing up treasures in heaven and, and seeking first the kingdom of God. Well, there, there's a, a kind of a, a euphemism that's, that's been around forever where, where we talk about um, evil, the evil eye. You guys heard of the evil eye or, or the bad eye? In, in Jewish culture, to have a bad eye was to be greedy, uh, to be stingy, to hold on to uh, tightly to your, to your stuff. And they would say, well, a greedy person, they have a bad eye. They have an evil eye. Right? And so Jesus is, is, is using that to say, if, 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 if your eye is bad, if you're greedy, then your body's going to be full of darkness. Your whole life, it actually impacts your whole life. It brings darkness into your life to be greedy, to hold on to your stuff, to, to care more about your stuff than the relationships and about the kingdom of God. But to have a good eye is to be generous. And so Jesus says, generosity is what brings light into your life and allows light to come out of you and reflect onto other people. So um, that's... Uh, through 23. Let's pick up again in um, verse 24, 25. Let's continue. I, I'm, I, I'll come back to this one. I promise. Okay. Uh, verse 24, next verse. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus is again saying that the concept of serving, uh, you, you can't you're going to serve something. You're going to give your life to something. You're going to seek. You're going to pursue. You're going to store up. So what is it that you're going to serve? What is it that you're going to seek? What is it that you're going to pursue? And Jesus says, the world will lie to you and tell you that you can pursue material blessing and the kingdom of God at the same time. And I'm here to tell you, it's a lie. It's not true. You cannot serve and pursue and seek first both of those things, right? Right? 
That's a logical, you can't seek first two different things, right? It's a logical contradiction, right? So Jesus is saying, you, what, what is it that you want most? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Don't store up these other things. And so uh, we get this, I'm gonna go back to the John 6. Let's go back to John. In John chapter six, we, we find uh, the recording of the feeding of the 5,000. So Jesus feeds 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. Remember, our, this is our five, where our five two principles come from. And then he, he leaves. So he, he feeds 5,000 people. He, he goes up on a mountain to pray. His disciples sail across to the other side of the lake. During the night, Jesus just kind of jogs across the lake himself on the water, just takes off. And he, he gets to the other side. Uh, and then the people that he fed, the 5,000 that he fed, they, they go around the lake because they hear that Jesus and the disciples are going there. And they go and meet Jesus on the other side. And at first they're like, how did you get here? Because you didn't get in the boat. And he's like, don't worry about it. I have my ways. And then they say, we're really after Jesus, what we want is more of that bread. Could you do the bread thing again? Because that was incredible. Like bread was just coming out of nowhere. You're just pulling it out of your pockets like Mary Poppins. There's bread coming out and there's nowhere it's coming from. Could you do that again? And they point to Moses in, uh, in, in, the, in the story of the Israelites in the wilderness. And they say, Jesus, you remember, you remember Moses? And Jesus is like, yeah, I remember, I remember Moses, I was, I was there. Uh, do you remember Moses when Moses made the manna um, fall from the sky and the people just woke up in the morning and there was manna. Could you, like good prophets, that's what good prophets do. Could you, could you be like Moses? And Jesus says, well, let me just remind you that the people who ate the manna in the wilderness eventually died, <laughs> right? This bread didn't make them like live forever. And then he says, I've got something better than manna. And here's, here's what he says in John 6, 35. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus said, there is something better than wanting more. All you guys want is more bread. And listen, I get it. You need bread to survive, but there's something better than wanting more. There's something better than wanting more. Jesus said, that, that's something better? That's me. Because the people who ate manna eventually died. If, if you, if, if I'm what you want most and you consume me, you'll never die. There's something better than what you think is gonna change your life, what you think is gonna grow you up, what you think is gonna fulfill you. And what Jesus is introducing here is the economy of the kingdom of God. And he's putting it in direct contrast with the economy of the consumer. So the, if the consumer says happiness is having a little more, Jesus, the economy of the kingdom of God is God provides enough. God provides enough. He goes into this section after um, you can't serve both God and money. He goes on to say, don't worry about your life, uh, what you'll eat or drink or your body, what you will wear. This is verse 25. And he goes on to this thing about birds and flowers. And he says, you know, look at these birds. You know, they don't, they don't, they don't worry about where their next meal is gonna come from. Look at the flowers. They're not, they're, they're not making their own clothes. God just made them beautiful. God just provided abundance for the birds. Why, do you, why are you worried about these things, about your life, what you eat or drink, or your body, what you, why are you worried about these things? And this kind of culminates in him saying, seek first the kingdom. This is leading us to, to verse 33. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness because the, kingdom, the economy of the kingdom of God says God provides enough. How much is enough? Enough is whatever God has provided. Now, there's a very real question here because we have people all around us and there may be people in this room who do not have enough right now. There's, there's a financial crunch. There's not enough or there's, there's a, 
a lack of value and appreciation and love and acceptance and belonging. There's not enough. What do we do about that? God has provided a way for that. And that's what we're gonna talk about next week. So if that question is rolling around your head, well, what about when I don't have enough or somebody I, I know or care about or I recognize this in our community, our society, there are people who don't have enough. What about that? We're gonna talk about that next week. So make sure you're here for that. But for most of us, we have, we have enough. We not only have enough, we have more than enough. And God has blessed us beyond what we deserve. So what we need to be aware of, we need to be alert to temptations towards consumerism because they are everywhere. They're everywhere, aren't they? Our economy is sort of built on this. And so this is what drives uh, marketing and advertisements. So one way that we need to be alert toward temptations, uh, alert to temptations toward consumerism is to pay attention to the ads that you see uh, on, on screens or or on the radio, or whatever. These ads uh, are going to imply that certain, things will, certain good things will come into your life if you invest in this product or this service, right? That's what marketing does. That's what marketing people are paid to do. Convince people they need this product, right? So here's, here's what I, I wanna encourage you to do. When you're, when you're watching TV, or you're, you know, you're listening to the radio, or whatever, wherever you come across ads, you can't really escape it. It's gonna happen. They're gonna find you analyze those ads. And it's fun to do this with somebody else. So sit down with somebody else. If you, if you have children or grandchildren, this is a fun thing to do, is watch a commercial and then start to ask some questions. What, is, what are they promising us? What, how are they trying to get us to buy this product? What is it that they're saying? What good thing will come into our lives if we buy this product or invest in this service, right? Just ask that question to your kids and just watch their minds turn because kids are sharp. They'll, they'll figure this out. They'll be able to point out some things and you'll be like, wow, I didn't notice that. I should probably... Um, Pay more attention. Because when you start thinking about it, when you see it, now this doesn't mean that there aren't some good products being sold to us in America, right? There are some good things that, that bring good into our lives, but the marketing strategy is based on deception. It's based on convincing you that this will enhance your life in some way, and it, it's just pushing you towards this mindset that happiness is having a little more or a little better, you know, upgrade. Happiness is having a little more. And Jesus, the, the economy of the kingdom is based on the reality that Jesus says there is something better than having more. And that something better is Jesus. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So watch ads with a critical eye and talk to your children and your grandchildren about what you see in the ads. I think it'll help them shape a critical mind when it comes to those kind of things. Second, whenever you think about upgrading something that you already own, ask a few questions. So if you're thinking about upgrading a product or a device in your home, maybe it's your phone, maybe it's your refrigerator, maybe it's your whatever, uh, just ask a couple questions. For ask, how will this upgrade improve the quality of my life in, in, in terms of my relationship with God? How will it bring more peace, joy, contentment, purpose into my life? Just ask that question. That's a tough question. A lot of times the answer is, it's just not, it's just not going to. So that doesn't mean you shouldn't buy it. That doesn't mean it's sinful for you to upgrade something. It's just, man, going through that process, I think will slow us down a little bit when it comes to consumerism. The second question that you should ask when you are thinking about upgrading something is what are you gonna do with the item that you're replacing. So if you upgrade your phone, what do you do with the old phone? If you upgrade your refrigerator, what are you gonna do with the old refrigerator? What are you gonna do with this stuff? And, and that leads us to a third way I think we can be alert to temptations is that is thinking about waste. What, what is it, what waste products are coming out of your home? Uh, what, what is happening with the stuff that you throw away? 
This is an important question. It's something that, that I think we should think about as, as people who are created by God to have dominion over the earth and, and to help the earth flourish and thrive. This is something that we should be thinking about. So what waste products are coming out of your home? And here's, here's a couple good ways to think about that. First of all, recycle what you can recycle. And here's, here's what I think happens. Um, when you, when you uh, process your own garbage, um, you, you think differently about waste, okay? So I, in college, this was my first job in college, work-study job, our, our tiny little college processed all of our own garbage. And uh, unfortunately, at the time, we didn't have like separate bins for burnables and recyclables. That was my job. I went and picked up the garbage from the dormitories and the staff housing, the professor's housing, and we took it back to the, the garbage place, the incinerator, and we opened each bag and dug through and pulled out all the stuff that was burnable or recyclable. And I got paid $4.50 an hour to do that. It was awesome. <laughs> It was disgusting, honestly. It was, it was one of the grossest things. And honestly, it was the, the married student housing was the worst because those people had babies. And what, what do you find when you go through? Yeah, it was just awful. But it made me think differently about waste. And what am I, what am I consuming? What am I throwing away? And what, is, what, is, what am I gonna have to dig through <laughs> that I'm throwing in the garbage today and I'm gonna have to dig through on Saturday? It just made me think differently about that. So I know people that sort of process their own garbage. They recycle what they can, they burn what they can, and the rest... The rest they, uh, goes to the landfill. So it just makes you think differently. Those are just some thoughts, just some uh, ways for us to think differently about um, consumerism. And then finally, uh, how can we demonstrate contentment with what God has provided? How can we demonstrate contentment with what God has provided? One way, just in a material sense, one way is to look through the stuff that um, you're storing. What are you storing? So that means look through your garage, uh, look through your closets, uh, if, you have a, if you have a storage facility, like if you have an offsite storage unit, to look, look through that, when was the last time you went through there? And, and you ask some questions like, um, why do I still have this? <laughs> and and think, think critically about what's in your garage, what's in your storage places. So I had to do this because I had to preach about it. I had to do this. So I had to look through my closet and I had to look at uh, those uh, 15 pair of tennis shoes. So on Thursday, I, I gave away all but four pair. And this is what I have left. I'll show you what I have left. Uh, I gave away the rest. Um, I gave them to, don't, let's, no, this not, it was ridiculous that I had that many. Let's not applaud that, okay? I'm just trying to correct the ship here. Uh, so I gave uh, the rest of the shoes to the youth assistance program at Hamilton Heights uh, so that there are kids there who, if they wear my size, uh, they're, they're gonna have some sweet kicks uh, come their way for free. Um, so, uh, so just think as you go into your closets and your garage and, and, and think about like, is this something another family could benefit from that I could just give away? A lot of times where our, our thoughts turn to sell. Oh, I could sell this. I could sell this and make some money. Or you could give it away, you know? Those are, those are both choices that you make. Or you could sell it and then you could give the money away. The goal is not for us to get more out of this. The, that, the goal is for us to say, there's something better than having more. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And sometimes for me to really embrace that seek first the kingdom of God is the way my heart wants to go. It's what I want most. I have to distance myself from my stuff. I have to distance myself from the things that make me want more. When Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, I don't think he's just talking about avoiding consumerism. I think Jesus is talking about our whole way of life being devoted to God. Our whole way of life being centered around who Jesus is and who he's called us to be. I think he's talking about what he mentioned at the beginning of this sermon, right after the Beatitudes, when he goes into this thing that you, you are the light of the world. 
You are the salt of the earth. Light pushes back darkness in the world around it. It exposes the things that are evil and it pushes back against that by bringing good into the world. Salt preserves the things that are good and makes them last longer. It recognizes that God is, is bringing good things into the world all the time because he's an abundant God and we're gonna preserve that and we're gonna save it and we're gonna treasure the good things that God is bringing into the world. And Jesus says, if you're gonna be salt and light, you, you have got to seek first the kingdom. If consumerism gets a hold of your heart, you can't, you can't push back darkness. You're gonna be distracted from that. You can't preserve the good that God is bringing in. You're gonna be distracted from that. So sometimes, in order for us to seek first the kingdom, we have to get some distance from our stuff, from the other things that we're pursuing. Those words that Jesus used, storing up treasures, serving to masters, worrying about what's coming, are all Jesus kind of countering this consumerist mindset and saying, like, you're going to pursue, you're gonna go after, you're gonna want something, I want you to want most the thing that matters most, which is the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's pretty incredible that we're all invited into that kingdom to begin with, that Jesus has made a way for us. So if that requires us giving away 10 pair of tennis shoes, then it's a small price to pay for some course correction in my heart. It's a small price to pay to have a little bit of a brighter light to shine, a little more salt to spread. It's a small price. I just want to invite you this morning. We're going to, we're going to close. I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to close with a word of prayer. Would you go and stand with me? So, so the, the two questions that we talked about, how can I be aware of temptations to consumerism in my life? And how can I demonstrate contentment with what God has provided? So I just want you to pray through those questions. Maybe one of them sticks out to you and you go, no, I really need uh, some help with that. I need some guidance from the Spirit on that this week. Pray through that. Ask the Holy Spirit to convict your heart and to move you to courageous action to follow through with whatever the Spirit is putting on your heart this morning. And this is not just to make you a better person. Listen, we're not talking about just behavior you know, correction. What we're talking about is heart alignment with Jesus and his kingdom and just really putting our foot down when it comes to things that distract us from that. So would you, would you pray through these, these two things with me and let's see what the spirit does for us. Father, thank you that you have provided in my life more than I need. I'm just grateful. But God, I don't want my stuff to be a distraction from the work of your kingdom, from the peace and joy that you've called me into and from my opportunity to be salt and light to the people around me. Would you, Father? Would you correct my heart where it needs correction? Would you do that for my brothers and sisters as well? As we look around and recognize that we have more than we need, would you help us to draw lines and make distinctions between what matters most so that we're pursuing the things that last forever? And as we do that, Father, would you, would you just make us a, like a city on a hill where people are just drawn to us because they see in us a peace and contentment and joy that has nothing to do with the consumerism of the world. Would you, would you do that in us and through us so that we can, we can point people to Jesus with our lives? We pray this in Christ's name, amen. Thank you uh, for worshiping with us today and for sharing with us. And I, I pray that God would bless you as you go and be salt and light in a world that desperately needs the hope of Jesus. Have a good day.